I'm Steve Luke of Cloudburst Brewing, and this is the Brewer to Brewer podcast from All About Beer. My guest today is Dan Suarez of the Suarez Family Brewery, and he is here for a conversation that goes beyond the brew house and into topics that matter to brewing professionals and curious beer drinkers. First, please visit allaboutbeer.com and follow on social media at All About Beer. And to support journalism in the beer space, check out Patreon patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We'll get into the conversation in just a moment, but first, this message. First Tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Falling temps and festive seasons are fast approaching, which means now is a good time to develop holiday stouts and brown ales using hibiscus and cinnamon from First Tea. Looking for other new ideas? You can find out more about First Tea's collaborations with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting firsttea.com slash blog. That's F-I-R-S-D-T-E-A dot com slash blog. Beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada, and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit malteuropemaltingco.com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at customer success at malteurope.com or dial 844-546-MALT for questions or to place your order. Okay, let's get into it. A bit about my guest today. Dan Suarez operates Suarez Family Brewery in the Hudson Valley region of New York with his partner Taylor Cocalis. Did I say that right, Dan? Yeah, that's good. That's great. Uh, Suarez Family Brewery is a small operation of six people, focusing mostly on brewing simple and delicate beers geared towards ease of drinkability. So thanks for coming on my single podcast show. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So it's been a long time. Yeah, like 14 years, 13 yes. years, something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, like the that, last, that is crazy long, isn't it? But <clears throat> yeah. it kind of flies, you know, you're, yeah. it's like your head down and like opened a brewery and which is now how old? Um, seven and a half years old. Sweet. That's yeah. Kind we've been... of like our age. Yeah. I feel like a lot of breweries opened in 2016, right in that pocket. There was a, very large explosion um it, a lot of kind of yeah, yeah. well kind of like like the ground was laid for us to like it was prime it was it, there weren't too many breweries or or at least people weren't talking you know about like how many breweries there are um, yeah not as much as they are now like yeah nowadays everybody's just like oh there's too many breweries they don't say is there too many they don't ask is there too many breweries <laughs> people say there are too many breweries um but yeah i mean very few closures as of now it's it's crazy yeah we like in in the city in seattle we've seen a few like more and more i i like i think just i feel like there's more closing than opening but there's still plenty closing um and it is kind of slowing down like these days where it's like there was kind of a slurry of a few breweries every year. And now it's like maybe one brewery every year. And it, yeah. It yeah. It's so it, long. It's 
tough out there, I think. I mean, at least from my from my standpoint. Um <clears throat> it's uh yeah, I mean the pandemic was obviously a challenge and everybody there was like a crazy roller coaster, but I feel like you know, 2022 and 2023 have been this like weird kind of crazy limbo where like the market is obviously changed from what it was pre 2020. It's so different, you know? Um, yeah. I just feel like people are drinking less beer and I don't know, people are doing some other things. So I don't know. Did you have to change like your, your model like dramatically when the pandemic hit? Um, we were, uh, New York state allowed us to ship beer, um, kind of overnight. And, uh, I had always, even before we opened the brewery, I had always thought shipping beer was cool. I was like, man, the wineries are doing it. What, like, especially for our bottled stuff, which it turns out like it's it, our, the market for our canned beer is, is stronger than for our bottled beer. But like, I've always thought the potential for ship beer was so great. And, uh, the pandemic hit and we were kind of instantly allowed to do it <clears throat> and we opened up dc and pennsylvania too and yeah it's been cool i yeah it's been great uh it's like added revenue stream and we did in 2020 and even 2021 we did a lot of shipping it was you know we we made so much more so much more beer than we do currently wow um, yeah it was it was overwhelming and and crazy but uh you know and then since then like 2022 and 2023 i don't know i i it's they're hard to figure out for me at least constant fig constant like figuring out and like the evolution of like the craft beer scene but then also just like your little business you know where yeah um, yeah i feel like ability like, yeah. like you guys seem fairly flexible, right? Like how many barrels, how big are you? Like, Oh, uh, man, maybe j just under 2000 barrels. Nice. Yeah. We've been adding since we've started, we've been adding tanks every year, but we haven't made any except with the exception of 2020, we haven't made significantly more beer. We just use those tanks to like, uh, add more time to the lager beers, cool. which is, which is really cool. Yeah. In the winter time we can give, some of the loggers like up to there's there was one batch of palatine last winter that was like five months it was so oh good oh my god and every every week you taste it at least i can and i think most people um would you can taste the difference like week to week i'm like better 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 you know it, and it, just smoother and cleaner so and so even <clears throat> so there was no like you have no time limit. Like just the more time, more time, the better. There's, there's no like peak. In your, um, in your no, I, I think, I think five months probably is, is the max. Um, I think actually four months is probably the max. Um, yeah, I don't think it gets better after that, but, um, yeah, it, like in the summertime, we can't give that long. We give like probably two, two and a half months to the loggers, which is still good enough for me. Um, considering when we opened it, they were like five week beers. Um, now I can't even believe that we only gave five beers to the uh, five weeks to these beers, but, uh, it's just what we had to do when we opened. And so are these like 15 barrel batch size? What's your kit? 
Um, 20 hectoliter. Yeah. So like 20 17 and a half, 17 and a half barrel. Nice. And are you lagering yeah. in horizontals or are these no. just like a unit tank all the way? Um, we, we transfer to, we do the standard American microbrewery, uh, process and format, which is ferment and conical rack, um, rack to upright bright tank our brew house there's no heating elements there's no uh, steam jackets so it's single infusion um it's really like kind of your 90s brew pub american yeah english style it's really simple and that's kind of my philosophy at least about brewing but even other things i love simplicity yes yeah yeah and, I mean... and, and i and i also like to do what i know you know i've been I've worked in a couple other breweries and like this knowledge has been passed down to me and this is just kind of what I'm used to and like working within that comfort zone and, and uh, yeah, just working within that. Uh, yes. I'm like on the same wavelength, like, you know, constantly we're, we're looking at our processes and it's just like, keep it simple, stupid. Like why, why yeah. do more with with diminishing returns kind of a thing for so, sure i think that uh, goes i think for beer and for other elements in the brewery it's like i'm always looking to take away thing i'm i i'm never looking to add i'm always looking to like strip it back so like recipe wise i'm like why add three hops in the kettle when i could try two see how that is is it better is it as good you know like uh um, so yeah, simplicity, but then even, you know, that, that applies to many different aspects of the brewery too. It's like simplify, simplify, simplify. I, especially with like a small team too, where, you know, you, I don't know how many people are, are in the brewery with you. Um, it's me and one other person, Matt Moon, and he's been, um, here since the very beginning, like wow. right before, right before we opened. Yeah. So he, he knows the brewery said now and so it's just and then we have obviously like some of the other employees um you know for bottling and canning it's it's they they're part of that um but for like brewing and cellaring tasks it's me and or matt yeah yeah so it's it's kind of nice like having someone on the same page for like that long uh yeah for sure in your shop yeah so i guess like getting back getting kind of backtracking a little bit where is your kit used or did you No, we bought it new from newlands nice which yeah yeah i like it it's um it was a little bit of a nightmare at the time to get it delivered it was really delayed and when it was delivered it was delivered like broken they like didn't latch down the equipment so like i opened the container you know like i clipped the it's like, all right, you're clipping it and you're saying you're signing Dan Suarez and you're clipping it. And like, whatever happens after this is your responsibility. And I was like, okay. So I clipped the thing, I opened it and like all the equipment was rolling around. It had been from, from British Columbia to New York. It had been rolling around and all banged up and fucked up. Oh, sorry. Oh um, my God. Yeah. So hey, that was a nightmare. So then I, you know, it was already delayed, but I don't want to go too, too much into that. I like the brew house um yeah new brew house uh it does the job so what 
so back when like our last communication, like you were looking to buy a used brew house that I had just, you know, left. Uh, oh, I forgot. I totally forgot that. Wow, yes. Steve. Like a yes. seven barrel pub. Yes, with fourteen with fourteen barrel fermenters and uh yeah, a pub system um in Cambridge Cambridge House in Connecticut. Yes, I looked at that and in hindsight, like I probably should have bought it. It was so cheap, but yeah. uh I'm glad. I mean, I like our brew house and just starting with 20 hectoliter um new system, it's 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 a load off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that was I mean, the pub systems, they're, you know, they're kind of a known entity. It's like you can make some nice word on them, but they're not designed yeah. like kind of for modern interpretations of beers at this point, you know, that yeah, that mash ton above the hot liquor tank. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like it's it's fine. It's but but that was twenty. That was like two thousand and nine. Yeah, like twenty ten. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I I mean I basically, yeah, I was looking. I was just like poking around. You know, I was still pretty yeah like green in the brewing, uh, world, professional brewing world. But uh, yeah, like poking around and knowing that I wanted to own a brewery. Um not knowing what I know now about owning a brewery. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, always, you know, just like any other, I feel like it's such a, just like any, any brewer, it's like the typical thing. It's like start homebrewing and like after your first batch, you're like, I'm going to open a brewery, you know? I, I So I was always poking around. And then what, Six Point was your first spot? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I met you. Yeah. I worked at six point, um, a friend of mine who I'd gone to college with Craig Frymark, um, which, oh, yeah. yeah from and, barrier. Yeah. Yeah. And so he got the job right out of college and I was like, I was like, how'd you get that job? Like, let me, I like, let me come wash kegs. And at the time I was working, um, retail i was working at murray's cheese and so i would have like you know monday wednesday off or or monday tuesday off so always during the week so on on my day off i would want to homebrew and then you know i would like i was like craig i was like get me in there and he was like i just got the job i'm brand new like i can't i can't like i have no weight there and then i think like a year later he was like all right remember when you mentioned you want to get in here i was like yeah yeah, I'm I'm down. Um, so he he kind of opened the door for me, and uh, yeah, and worked there for three years. Met Steve here at the uh at the Beer Advocate Festivals. Yeah. Uh, I think working at Cambridge House or Allagash, um, or or both. Probably I, I, both. Yeah. Um, and worked there for maybe close to three years and then um kind of through a through like a friend of a friend uh met sean hill and this is before he started the brewery in vermont and went up there right when the brewery before the brewery was open and spent some time up there and uh and like i don't know a few months later he sent me a, a job offer being like come move up to vermont and uh 
and work here. And I didn't want to. I said, you know, oh, I like living in New York City. I feel like uh, I just like got my footing and and I, I like the job at Six Point and whatnot. But my wife was like, this is like she I think she wanted to move to Vermont, which like I wasn't sure about. But after moving there, like one day later, I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's great here. And then and then she she was like, you know, you're going to get to learn all the stuff you want to learn. Barrel aging, uh, Britannomyces, wild ales, uh, you know, and just like really getting deep on it. And uh, yeah, kind of learning from somebody who's pretty focused. And then from so then from there, you kind of you were you and your partners were always kind of like working on like your end game which was going to be opening like your own, your own space at some point kind of like was that out in the open with sean at a certain point yeah actually when i took the job i was like i was like i'm gonna work here for a year and then i'm gonna start a brewery afterwards and then it, it just you know you can't i think one year is a little i feel like i was there for about three years i feel like that was a good amount of time one year we were barely scratching the surface um yeah yeah, and it, but it also just like the time there um, in the industry, a learning, but then also just like thinking, you know, like letting the letting the wheels uh, turn and and just thinking about what what I would want to do in our own place. Originally, I, I had I had this idea to like I wanted to make one word and then just divert the words to on different yeast, and I wanted to do like a saison and a kolsch. I remember people laughing at like other brewers laughing at me being like, you're going to open a Kolsch brewery or uh, yeah. And even some people like laughed when I said, I want to make Pilsner primarily. They were like, it's there, you know, like, uh, yeah. So anyway, I have this time. I mean, now, I mean, now <laughs> finally pills, like people are like stoked on pills. Kolsch yeah. is still like this up and coming thing to me. I think Kolsch greater, like- is, it's happening, man. I, I feel like in the past year, I feel like uh, we've had so many more people ask about Kolsch. Uh, and we, we make a couple different kinds of Kolsch, um, one that's like a little hoppier and one that's like pretty, pretty true to style. But um, I even in right before the pandemic in February of 2020, I went to Düsseldorf and Cologne and I came back and I was like, man, if I was opening a brewery tomorrow, I would do like a Rhineland style brewery that would just do a, like we would hammer Kolsch and Alt and we could spin off some stuff from there. Kolsch is really cool. Alt is really cool too. Um, but yeah, uh, pills is happening. Kolsch is happening. I like that. It's a slow burn with pills though. It's, it's an, I, you know, that's my speed. It's true. I mean, it's always it's always been there. It's always like, you know, you ask the brewer what they're drinking as they're shifty when they're done. It's like they're always gravitating towards those types of beers. I feel like it's just taken a decade for someone to say, you know, like, oh, you know, every time there's an interview and you ask the brewer like what they're drinking, they're always like this pills over here. And maybe I should start paying attention to 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 that, you know, what the makers are gravitating towards, I feel like. Yeah. Um yeah it's uh i mean it's heartening that it has been this yeah a brewer driven but b it's heart heartening that like it's this slow burn because uh i feel like the especially the american brewing scene is so turn and burn trend heavy like flavor of the week kind of thing that um i like that 
pills is it's not the flavor of the week. It's like it's it's going to be here for for us, you know, and uh, it's just like something that's yeah, it's like comfort food for me. And I'm like, there's what's there? What's there to I mean, I guess I don't know. It's hard to make, I guess, like and some people might mess it up. But like, yeah, I like that. It's not like a flash in the pan. Um, it's it's evident that it's not. Well, it's like so with more with it finally kind of like having you know it's it's day in the light a little bit now. Are you finding more variable like questionable like quality from breweries in your area? Like if everyone's starting to be like, oh, pills is becoming popular, mm-hmm. I should make one too. Yeah, um, yeah. There's that. There's a lot of pills out there now, which uh, I like because. I think people should be drinking more pills and I think it should be like a normal one of the, you know, I, I think there should be a, a great, you know, people should make all kinds of different things. And, uh, but yeah, I guess, especially in New York, everybody, everybody seems to make a pills. I don't, I don't know what it's like in, in other parts of the country. Um, is it, does every does everybody make a pills in, in Washington? I think pretty, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, we've had, you know, Chuck and Nut has, has been kind of paving the way out here for us Classic. and then you know and then like so many brewers have kind of come through chuck nut to then uh, do their cool. own versions right you've got frame yeah. you have wayfinder and now, yeah which is kevin's at gold dot now with his partner lisa yeah. at heater allen so i mean like the northwest has a has a pretty yeah. solid lager game yeah they're not like from flashy breweries per se which is almost better it's like these like homey you know yeah breweries that are like well they've been making pills the longest and like they don't need to be flashy it's like you know yeah yeah totally um but yeah to to your question um are there some questionable pills uh i think there's a lot of pills and i think it's hard to make so like there's a lot of average pills but uh i'm i'm glad i'm glad people are making it or i'm glad people are trying their hand at it you know because i think uh yeah you got to make some some drinkable beers i mean that's that's really like all i yeah i I, yeah i especially because on the other end it's like somebody could be making like a marshmallow stout with whatever graham crackers and whatnot and that's totally valid but like you gotta give somebody something to like sip on and also man I love when like people who are like whatever Heineken drinkers or Coors Light drinkers come into our brewery. They're kind of sheepish. Uh, you know, I, I usually drink Michelob Ultra. I'm like, you got to try Palatine pills. And sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes, and sometimes they're like blown away. Sometimes they're, they're absolutely like astonished. And that's so cool to me. Um, that like, you know, it's just kind of this yellow beer that's kind of crisp and refreshing, but like it can be a beer that just like glides down your throat at the end of like a long day, or it can be this beer that you can like geek out and like really geek out about. Yeah. And like pick apart. It can be either. Yeah. It's like, some, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's like part of that is just like the, some of the best, the, the most well-executed you know, versions of pills become thought, you can turn it off. You can, it's, you know, yeah. 
the the master cicerone and the Michelob ultra drinker can both just not have to think about yeah this like enjoyable experience totally i usually think about it but like (laughs) i can't turn it off um but i i like that i can think about it like crazy so that other people can't think about it yes you know you know what i mean like i like that and i mean like that like with that style there's always going to be a learning curve and i think kind of like coming from your philosophy of like keeping it simple you know we've had a few conversations with right now there's some sometimes we get asked questions especially people uh, in our front of house are like they people are like hey i heard about this decoction thing like are, are your yeah. lagers decocted and it's, it's no yeah. we have a pretty similar setup to you you know we've yeah. got a single infusion mash ton a direct fire kettle and a whirlpool mm-hmm. um and so kind of like there's a lot of information out there and not everyone is the best editor at first, you know? So you, you kind of are like, Oh, I, if I'm going to make this bow pills, I'm going to have to use, you yeah. know, this type of malt. I'm going to have the decoct. I should really be sourcing these hops and, and kind of not focusing on just like starting from scratch, like from the simple side of things and then getting a little bit more intricate once you've mastered like something yeah. from its baseline. Or- or not getting more intricate. Honestly, like the the recipe for Palatine, it's like you go, you open up like how to brew the book and like look up the recipe for like pale ale or pills. And like that's the, you know, you look up the, yeah, pills. It's like an addition at 60, an addition at 30, and an addition at the end. And yeah, yeah it's like you don't have to overthink it. Uh, yeah, I always... Yeah, especially with these simple beers, it's 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 better, I think, if they're not overthought. Um, but like you're yeah. kind of in the land of like juicy, hazy IPA worlds, where you know those beers often those beers are still quite sweet to my palate. Like every time I go back east, it's just like wow, these beers are still finishing really sweet. There's yeah. no kettle edition hops. You know, and I wonder if like that translation of like brewing that type of beer for so long, do people kind of come into like the Pilsner and say, are they, you know, are you getting too cute with your kettle editions for like Pilsner? Or or way too many Whirlpool editions. I feel like that's one I can like taste when I taste somebody else's pills. Uh, I'm like the Whirlpool edition is way too big. Um, Yeah, that's a typical one um, because I feel like sometimes it has like a hollow center to the palate like there's not there's not enough early hops and there's like too many too many uh late hops so like it kind of seems hoppy but it has this like empty or like hollow palate um so yeah just take some of those hops and shift them to the shift them to the beginning (laughs) yeah yeah read read how to brew i don't i don't know if there's a pills recipe in there actually but there might there probably is I mean, there's a, there's a, Greg Noonan's got a whole book of loggers. Yeah. There you go. Classic. Classic. Great great book. Um, Um, all right. Well, Hey, this is the, I'm going to go into that little break. You're listening to the all about beer podcast with Steve Luke and Dan Suarez. You're rocking with the best here. Um, we're going to take a quick break. As John Hall says, we got to pay some bills here. We got to pay some bills. Where is John's script? I was actually like searching my email to see what Kolsch I had ordered from you guys this past summer. 
Uh, yes. Because it was like, oh, you do multiple pills. And yeah, it was, it was like G- May or June. Yeah, um, it was fi- a fine line. Was that it? Yeah, that's that's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, oh, man, John, John, you, you already kind of did that work for like, yeah, we're going to take a short break for this message and then come right back for more of this conversation with Dan Suarez of the Suarez Family Brewery. Malt Europe Malting Company is based in North America, specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries. With local farms and malt houses spread across the United States, Canada, and Mexico, Malt Europe Malting Company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces, ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet. Visit malteuropemaltingco.com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at customer success at malteurope.com or dial 844-546-MALT for questions or to place your order. First Tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. First Tea has ginger for the gingerbread stout. Or try a porter or brown ale with ginger, vanilla, and cinnamon. Looking for other seasonal ideas? You can find out more about First Tea's collaborations with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting firsttea.com slash blog. That's F-I-R-S-D-T-E-A dot com slash blog. All About Beer is back, and we're asking for your support to help provide the independent beer media this rich and colorful industry deserves. Visit our website, allaboutbeer.com where we're frequently posting new content. And please consider throwing us a few bucks at patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. We have low-cost memberships for individuals and small and large companies alike. Every dollar goes to help produce new articles and podcasts. All right, welcome back, listeners. To the podcast. To the podcast. I don't know how you got that sultry, smooth... You you must do podcasts all the time, huh? No, no, I (laughs) I, I was a radio person in college were you yeah is that what your degree is in not really not really um well i guess kind of maybe media communication nice it's all none of it matters i i did one radio (laughs) show in college and we got kicked out like after three episodes because oh come on steve you know it wasn't wasn't me but my roommate who uh said he'd close up the shop definitely like got pretty drunk and played the same song like three times in a row and it was like i had to go study for an exam it was like oh man dude you didn't you left beers all over the studio and it was not yeah and what about the listener what about the listener they probably like (laughs) why is he playing it was like why is he playing black betty again by (laughs) (laughs) ranger okay nice we're back with the podcast um yeah what do you want to get into steve i I mean like i kind of wanted to to segue into this like small business work life Mm. balance thing that i think all of us are so especially more so post pandemic like cognizant of yeah and i mean and you so you operate your business with your wife so like this is kind of what both of you do full-time um yeah my wife has another gig but but yes yeah more or less yeah we're we're in it and then yeah and then a few other employees so 
you know, pandemic hits, I know it was stressful for everyone, but when you have such a small team, yeah. what, what was some of like the biggest challenges to kind of like keep the ship afloat? Like, uh, you know, at least in regards to like you and your personal health and also you and your, like your team's health, you know, we felt that kind of from yeah. both sides. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, man, I, I don't know if I can speak to my team's health. I mean, think I think Arbury is more chill than your average brewery and that that's on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, like we like all all the employees get uh work a four day work week. Um so like 36 hours a week, 36 hours a week basically um plus or minus and it and tay and i we like sometimes get you know sometimes get the the four-day week but um yeah i mean just going back to the begin even before the pandemic i mean the pandemic was just like something completely and utterly bizarre and and crazy but I think just like even just the beginning of the brewery, you know, like I have like a, a history of anxiety and depression, I guess. And then like, like before we started the brewery, I was just extremely anxious that like people, that the beer was going to be no good and that people weren't going to like it. And that might may or may not be rational. But like even even like opening even now that we've opened the brewery and I'm like, all right, yeah, I, I like the beers and maybe and people other people seem to like them, too. So I guess that's we're over that hump. Um, There's like constant struggles with I don't know any any number of things like work, work life balance, you know, it's easy to like grind yourself to the bone when it's, especially when it's your brewery, but even like people working at other breweries as employees, you know, I just feel like some at some breweries that are like expected to work like unlimited amount of hours, like you're going to work 90 hours. And that's just, yeah, I just feel like it's, I'd like to, like get to a better place um and i i don't know i'm not a very like philosophical person i'm a very simple person but i feel like my wife and i tay have been talking lately about like you know what is the purpose of the brewery it's like i mean i guess some it's not a lot of businesses what do they call that Sometimes they put it in their uh, business plan. Oh, the mission uh, statement. The mission statement. This is like a little uh, different, but kind of the same. But it's like what it's more of like a, a philosophy to the brewery. It's like, what is the purpose? And so any proposition or any idea or anything that we may or may not do get filtered through this uh, through this purpose statement or through like what is our purpose uh we still haven't come up with the purpose i mean we've talked a lot about it but uh i don't know uh, it's uh you know i feel like we touched on it a little bit it's like simplicity it's definitely work-life balance you know like we have two kids um 
And, you know, I'd like to spend more time with my kids. I feel like when we were opening the brewery, there was like a plumber who was doing some work. And this is when it was right before we opened and uh, Tay was pregnant with our with our first kid. And uh, the plumber was like, always make the time. Oh, he, he like grabbed me by the shoulder. He was like, don't miss any soccer games. Don't miss any, you know, like he was like, you're never going to get it back. And I feel like I, I still think back on that. And I still, I still, I mean, like I said, like our brewery is more chill than a lot of other breweries in terms of like work-life balance. But I still, at least for me, I'm like, I want to spend more time with my kids and and have more family time because you never get it back you know um so how do you how do you reconcile the fact that like there's certain things that we maybe have to do to 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 pay the bills and to and to make it all work um and then also like get get what we want for like the work work life balance and and not just for me for for everyone really every here yeah i mean like i mean it we we kind of we're of similar like nature where a lot of most of our team also has four days a week. Um, the two other people in the brewery do most front of house people. We try to keep them working three to four days a week as this like self-preservation. I like, I never get, I, I feel like I can never turn off and I feel like I work every day, even if I'm on vacation, I'm, you know, like, yeah. I, it's just so hard to just, yeah. not do something or think about i mean even if you're not physically doing something you're thinking about something it's this all consuming yeah, yeah. you know venture that uh, you have other people that you know rely on you and so you I, I think one of the interesting aspects of like your business and it's similar to ours where we're not like we're, it's like quote unquote like no growth like we've made around two thousand barrels a year give or yeah. take for the last five of our seven years of existence. And yeah. we're not driven by growth, obviously. Yeah. But but costs keep going up and and so you kind yeah. of have to get constantly creative with like how do you still maintain um a healthy business by like by being so stubbornly like stuck to, you know, your vision of the brewery. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so and- speaking on costs like the past three years it's it's not like they just like inch up it's like oh every year a few percent it's like some things have just jumped a lot of things have actually jumped exorbitantly it's like the soap for the dishwasher and the and electricity and the bottles and and the malt and it's yeah it's like everything all at once and now it's like oh my god like yeah have you been able to raise like what's well, like, do you pass that on to consumers? Like, have you been able to make some of those margins back? Um, we, um, like, I don't, I don't know if this is answering your question, but this, uh, we increased prices for the first time ever, uh, this past spring, um, just, just at, at the, at the brewery, actually our wholesale prices have stayed the same, but, um, I don't know. I got to look at that. uh yeah i don't know i like the past like as i mentioned before like like the past two years have been like this kind of after after like the first two years of the pandemic and like like i said 2020 we were like shipping like hundreds of pallets uh, or hundreds of uh 
boxes of beer every week is incredible is crazy and then the past couple years it's like not stagnated but like it's hard to figure out where where, which direction to go and and how how to how to proceed i'm i'm not sure (laughs) because like how much do you how much is going to new york city like um hardly not as much as we used to we we have a van still and we used to um deliver every other week to new york city um and we had a i don't know 20 accounts maybe more a little bit more but uh since the pandemic all the accounts pick up so like anybody anytime you see our beer in new york city it's been picked up by by somebody yeah it's great whenever brewers hear that they're like wait they're they're picking up and i'm like yes only pickups um it is great and and you know like a place like tourists they they come every two weeks and they fill a minivan with beer and uh it's incredible uh, yeah I, I mean i don't i don't know if i would do it if i owned a bar in new york city but like maybe i would i don't, I don't know um yeah so not a lot less nowadays the past three years in new york city we used to fill a lot of draft also yeah we draft used to be a very normal part of our of what we did and now way less so it's it's mostly cans with only a a a drop of draft really i i feel what we kind of need for here at the brewery and then like a tiny amount extra um which is a bummer because i i love draft beer but um yeah yeah but it went away in one day right yeah it went away at one point in 2020 but um yeah cans are i don't want to say like idiot proof but they're like they're they're just more consistent service wise and even though like i think i think draft beer trumps it in terms of flavor it's just like you don't have to deal with dirty lines you don't have to deal with any number of things um yeah i don't know yeah or even just like the filling of like your beer into a growler or a crowler you know where it's just like you know, to me, I'd rather see it all the way through in the package. We kind of learned that early, early pandemic too, because we were draft only up until 2020. And then, yeah, that that must've been real tough. Had a mobile canner in like twice. And I was like, I can't work with these people. I don't know this machine. And I didn't hire these people to work on this line. And, and now we're like 60% can 40% draft. It kind of ebbs and flows, but wow. uh, Oh, and did you buy your own line? Yeah. Yeah. We oh. got in pretty early. We drained the bank and we got a six head counter pressure Cody. Oh, uh, cool. And yeah, it's, it's solid. I mean, with like loggers, you know, you can carve that to like two, nine, three, one. And like, yeah. Wow. Very little loss. What are you wow. using? Um, we do mobile canning with, yeah. with Ironheart. Um, nice. honestly it works. I think you, somebody, you know, like I'm there, Matt's there we're we're in it we're yeah we're making sure everything is copacetic and uh the beer is going to be good on the other end um as much as we can i guess um what yeah. do you do for quality like do you have like a do you have like a sea box or orbisphere or <clears throat> oh we have a um 
uh Hoffman's Pentair digital gehaltimeter, which actually Oh, the fancy, fancy. Yeah, yes. And you want to know how I got it? Um when we took delivery of the Newlands equipment and it was all messed up, I was like, guys, this is so like, what the heck? Like, what are you gonna do for me to to make this up? And then I was just like, I see your a distributor for Hoffman for Hoffman uh Pentair if you give me a digital gehaltimeter like I can maybe let it be and they gave me one wow I mean I mean at the time I was like it's hardly worth it but now I'm like man we couldn't I we've had that since day one and it's done such incredible things for the quality of our beer like to be able to hook up to a, a bright tank and read the percentage of uh oxygen in the blow off gas is it's insane and then so like sometimes if that number is too high we can go oh is there a leak you know like we can like catch leaks or whatever and so yeah it's so fun to like oh well and also sometimes aggravating but like we're actually in we had somewhat recently a little bit of a a mystery uh dissolved oxygen spikes but uh i feel like we got to the bottom of it finally but we never yeah the gehaltimeter is like it helps us get there and especially making the kind of beers that we make that are more delicate you know like you can't you can't hide behind the flavor like bold flavors we need that thing it's yeah so i'm i'm it's amazing that we were able from day one, we've been able to, I remember I even bought a, a Zamenagel, uh, what do you call the one that you shake up? Yeah. And I, I had already bought, I had already bought it. And and then they sent me the Gehaltimeter and I was like, Oh, even just using that Zamenagel for like a month for like the first, yeah, the first like two weeks, I was like, I'm going to be so happy to sell this to somebody else and just use this. Anyway, I feel like we're we're getting a little too ge geeky brewery. Steve. I don't know. Like that, no, that's 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 a good. I mean, that's nice. It's like, yeah, we. I couldn't. I couldn't sell my Zamenagel just because in the rare times that like our C box like filter gets clogged or something, it's like you're like, mm. man, I have to use this this piece yeah. of junk that's hanging on my sink for like six months without yeah. being used. <laughs> yeah it's not, not a knock it's a great it's i mean yeah. it's it's crazy to compare that to you because we will we'll be like wow this is like so far off on like what our actual carb is the zamenagel it's and for listeners out there who don't know it's this little stainless steel canister that you hook up to your tank you run the beer through and then you like close it off and shake it and then it gives you a pressure reading and you take the temperature and then you're able to like decipher the carbonation from those numbers but it's so um dependent on how hard you shake it so like i feel like you can you know like you can make it give it the numbers you want sometimes that's how i've always felt about it yeah it's like it doesn't matter what the actual number is you can you can shake it or not shake it to get you there um <laughs> anyway that's that's some real uh <laughs> that's some obscure knowledge <laughs> For, where it's gonna go for, people for are the casual listener yeah googling the zamenagel right now like how yeah. do you spell that oh they're they're new york based they're like based in somewhere out in western like buffalo or rochester or something like that which i think is kind of cool nice yeah. I, I think i get like an email from them once a year kind of like, here's here's what's for sale 
<laughs> so so what's like how do you going forward like how do you how are you staying motivated like you know what we've kind of like oh. we kind of talked a little bit about like this what is enough quote unquote enough a little bit yes and and like where's yeah. where is where is Sora's family brewing like going oh man really tough i mean i'll tell you what like well i from a professional standpoint i i love i don't get to do it too often but like i i love traveling to the old world uh to see like the a the beer culture there which is incredible and so different from from us like that's how i get inspiration on for beer which you know like i've i've devoted my life to to beer it, it seems somewhat trivial to it's like i've devoted my life to something that like people just put down their throat you know like they let it sit on their tongue for a second and then it goes down their throat but it you know it's a little bit more than that and i i feel like whenever i go to to europe to like travel to some cool well entrenched beer culture um i'm like blown away and i love like the whole vibe of drinking there and how casual it is and how little choice there is that's something like i've been grappling with like uh i think originally pre-pandemic in our tasting room we had i don't know seven or eight drafts to choose from and then kind of post-pandemic when we opened outdoors it was one beer but i've i've realized since then and i've also read uh paradox of choice um which i would recommend a lot of people especially brewers or business owners read um that like now we have two two draft beers and i feel like it's a really great because people when they come and there's one beer they're like oh uh i'm disappointed there's only one beer when there's two beers they're like oh i can have this or i can have that a choice is being made and there's like some excitement and or uh, there's a scintillation there. Um, and then I think like we, I think we're doing a, an expansion out back where we're going to have like the future shop and tasting uh, tap. And I think we've landed on four, but I might even, I like three too. And actually in the book, in the book, he's like three is the the perfect amount. Because people, anything after that, people get overwhelmed. And then you make a choice. You're like, oh, I'll take a Palatine pills. But then you're like, man, but I really wanted to taste that. What am I missing out? Um, anyway, I digress. And, well, um, and with your beers and their, and, you know, their design, like three is, is like a nice amount for this, for low ABV. Yeah. Know, like, and, like and I want to get. I want to get it to that like more European thing where you don't have to really think about it. Uh, like that, like I was, I was before I went on a huge tangent, I was saying like, I love going and some of these places, there's only one beer. Sometimes there's two or three. Um, and I just love like the, like, you know, everybody's drinking the same thing. I think that does a big part of like the, you walk into a place and it's, filled with people and literally everybody is drinking the same thing. I think that does something to the whole vibe of the, of a room. Um, and then to, to like expound on the, where to get inspiration and, and the travels to Europe, it's like, not only is the vibe and the beer culture kind of more my speed. And I really like taking inspiration from that. 
um it's like the beers they also taste different sometimes you'll taste beers and i'm like this doesn't you can't brew this beer in the united states this, this beer tastes like it's brewed in a far quote unquote far off land and so sometimes when i brew a beer and i'll taste the beer of mine that i brewed and if it tastes like it was brewed somewhere else far away i'm like whoa i love that <laughs> i really get off i really get off on that i like it um so yeah so man we do have to your original question we do have this what's next where you know what's the next steps but we, but like we, back before before you get into next steps yeah. like all right so yeah. this old ale you just put out like yes. a like a modern modern old ale because what it's yeah. low in abv yeah of of which there are many brewed all over the uk currently yeah um you know like some of them are four percent abv some of them are five some of them are six some of them are seven or eight which is getting up there but still like like one of the ones that i had on a trip back in january it was eight but it, i like still drinking it still served out of a sparkler on hand pump in a pint um and drinking it i'm like man it's there's a smoothness and a a delicacy to the flavor of it's still like at at eight point something percent abv it's still like it took me a long time to drink it i was like sipping on it it was commanding of the time i put into it but like i was like man there's something about the smoothness and that you don't yeah and i think you before we started the podcast yeah i we were talking about it a little bit we brewed an old ale that's modern and yeah i think the connotation like pre-world war one there's like like old ale was like this like stock ale it's like yeah that's how like like certain strain of britannomyces there was probably britannomyces in there it was really strong it was um you know like this stock ale this barley wine-esque thing and in this country especially even me prior to this trip last january going to the uk and being like oh old ale is kind of barley wine-ish maybe maybe a little darker maybe sometimes barrel aged or not sometimes bread sometimes not but still like has that power to it and then we had a couple that i was like i drank old peculiar i drank there was one night I drank, I don't know, seven pints of it. And it's kind of Guinnessy and smooth, but so much fruitier, like a, this tobacco, cocoa, um, dry and a lot of dried fruit, like fruitcake, figgy, dried cherry. Um, and it's it like I'm like, wow, that you don't you don't find beers like this ever. And it's also like changing my perception of a, of a certain style and uh that was cool so I, I had to brew one of those and you you mentioned that there's some people in pacific northwest brewing some yeah our friend bill um are not at machine house who's uh he does all english style ales he's i forget what what town he's from but he he brewed at a small yeah, he's english right he's, he's english, english. yeah yeah and his dark mild you know it's three seven three eight but nice. it's so dark that, you know, I've brought brewer friends from England to his place. And like, this is very dark and roasty and like fruity yeah. for like a traditional dark mild. But to like, to us in the Pacific Northwest, it's just like such this, its own thing that you're just like, I crave this beer. Yeah. That you can just sit down and, and just like crush. Um, yeah. 
multiples of. And so there is kind of like a little bit of this, like Seattle has a little bit of a scene where it's like, okay, like once a year I can make 15 barrels of like a dark mild and it still yeah. will take me like six months to sell it all. Oh, but like, okay. but at least like people to like, kind of like know what, what we're going with there. Yeah. So like with your, with this old ale, like how do you communicate that to customers that this is a really like, how do you communicate that? Like that passion yeah. uh, to say, this is why you should kind of care about this. Yeah. Like, here. Man, I, this was this old ale to be it known. It was one that I, I thought, and I think everybody on staff thought was going to be like, a, they were like, all right, Dan's going to brew this thing. And it's going to be like, obviously an esoteric hard sell, but actually maybe it's the, because it's the first time we brewed it. Some beers are like that where you brew it once and people are like, yeah, and they do it. And then you brew a second batch and then they're like, I already had that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know and and so it's way slower the second time i'm not sure if this will be like that or not but uh it's yeah i think we packaged it up a, a single batch four weeks ago, exactly four weeks ago and it's almost gone wow. um yeah um so people are surprisingly very excited about something like this but i feel like our consumer the suarez Hanley brewery like beer drinker has been conditioned to like seek out uh, and to be excited by what we make, you know, like we, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of love that culture. It's like, I'm, I'm taking a personal journey of brewing and, and getting into beer and, and then like, I want other people to get on board, you know? Uh, and that's cool. So we can brew alt, we can brew smoke beer, we can brew old ale. Um, we can, you know, any number of, you know, I mean, at a time, like even pills was like when we first started pills, wasn't even for our brewery. Like I wanted to brew a lot of pills, but when we first, we brewed pale ale and pills, um, in the beginning and everybody wanted the pale ale. And I feel like, uh, like wholesale, like keg, you know, uh, on-premise accounts, um, like bars and restaurants. And so I was like, Oh damn, I don't know if we're going to be able to make the amount of lager and slash pills that we want to make and i was really worried for like six to 12 months and then after six to 12 months kind of clicked and then every and then it flip-flopped like way le like everybody wanted the pills and and lager and and the pale ale they were like oh we'll take it but like really just like and i think that's about getting it getting people to taste the beer you know yeah get uh yeah, yeah. i i i in a little over 10 years ago, I went to, um, I went to Drefontaine and got a tour from, uh, Armand and he, he, I went with Sean Hill. So like he was spending time with us and it was a great tour. But, uh, at the, before I left, you know, he shared this Magnum with us. Oh, this yes. It's a Magnum. And my, I only have 20 of these left. My dad helped me blend this, you know, mind blowing. And then, as we were leaving, we bought beer and he was like, do you want me to autograph that for you? And I was like, uh, I'm usually not into autographs. So I was just like, uh, okay. And then on the autograph, he, he writes, uh, taste my passion, Armand. And I was like, Oh, taste my passion, man. And so I often think about that too. I'm like, yeah, taste, taste my passion. Because especially as a small brewery, all you have to go on is like what, 
what you're pumped like what you're able to make and what you're enthusiastic about and then hopefully everybody gets on the ride you know gets on for yeah. the ride it's so it's cool so how, how many can't, how many bottles do you sign a week at this <laughs> <laughs> i i don't think i would ever i mean if somebody i i actually have, i think people a few people have asked but i i would never say like he we were like leaving we had just bought bottles and he was like would you like me to sign those and i was just like <laughs> yes definitely um that's cute <laughs> but i always think about that you know I, I when I saw he signed it, it's taste my passion, and I was like, "Wow, okay, it's not it's not just a uh, it's not just a an autograph. It's like a take this with you." This is a, yes, this is yeah. a mantra. Yeah, and awesome. I mean, speaking of that, like, yeah, I love the whole. I mean, like the brewers' history, like the generations of brewers. I feel like what we do we're just like doing something that people have been doing for a long time. And I love the fact that like knowledge gets passed down, you know, I, you, you, you've worked under some people and, and kind of, uh, you know, you're able to take little bits and pieces from, I love the whole, like, um, yeah, learning from somebody else. And then, and then even if they do something a certain way, you get to say in your own head, oh, why is it? Why are they doing it this way? Would I do it this way? What do I like about it? What do I not like about it? Um, yeah, the whole like philosophy of making beer and and I, I in the email to you, I, I wrote about like getting like dogma of brewing of the brewing process, and that sometimes it seems like there's only one way to do something. And I, I love questioning, why are we doing this? Is this the best way? Is there a better way? Um, is this necessary? All that stuff. I, yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's what it's all about. It's it, what it makes is. it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like a ringing endorsement for, you know, I, I'm sure you get asked the question a bunch of like, I want to start my own brewery and like, what's yeah. some advice? And it's like, I got it. Some. Yeah, it's always like, <laughs> it's like go work in a few breweries, not just one, especially on the brewing side of things. You know, it's like, yeah, that would I be... wouldn't change that part of my past, you know, at all, yeah. like because of just how much, how much more you learn to do things and not to do things from different people that have all so much more mm. experience than you kind of a thing. Yeah. I know it's not, it's not always like the most popular opinion, like, but I want to start it now yeah i and there is this part of american or modern culture that a lot of people just want to um fast forward through everything through you know like and i feel like some some things just take time um you have you have to put the time in and and the effort i guess um and there's a decent amount of like luck and privilege associated with some of these jobs and and opportunities too but uh yeah i don't know my my a couple of part of pieces of for people who want to start a brewery i don't know i go back and forth about brewery ownership um personally even now like even like on a daily basis uh it's like i started the brewery to be able to make beer and and i love working on my feet love working with my hands so like doing you know like just like doing stuff like 
yeah, brewing beer, working in the taste and working in the tab, whatever. And I feel like the, owning a brewery kind of forces you to do many things that you might not be good at and many things that you might not like to do. And so like, I feel like before you start a, I guess a business of any kind, but especially a brewery or, or something that, you know, like a food business, it's like, do, do I want to own a business is, is the, that's, I mean, I think about it like daily. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm not, good i'm not good at it and it's also not what i like the days when i'm sitting at a desk the whole day by the end of the day i'm like mush yeah you know i'm spent whereas like the days that i brew a beer or a long canning day or whatever it's like maybe my body might be a little tired but i'm still like sharp in my mind and i don't know i just i'm just more geared towards it yes yeah i've always treated that as kind of like that's just you know it's the medicine you have to take to keep doing the fun parts. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cause like really the only way I also like, it's like, do I like sitting at a desk and like, or do I like when like five different things in the brewery break at the same time? And I just have to like spend a half a week, like putting the fires out. No, I hate that. But like I get to make whatever I want to make really. And that's like worth it. I I guess I don't know depending on which day you catch me on totally uh, it's it's the great part about it I don't know if it's worth it yeah you know yes. yeah and then my my other big one I might just have to throw this in there is that uh we had like our first kid um basically at the same time as opening the brewery and that was it's just not ideal. It's just not. Yeah. I feel like just like the modern capitalist society and just like working, working, like difficult childcare, all that. It's, it's, I would, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would do it differently, but uh, I will say it's lunacy what we did. And it's, and it, it actually like, it's still hard. Cause like our kids, we have a three and a half year old and a seven year old. It's like, maybe we're starting to see the end of the tunnel, but like, yeah, like really like two having two babies. Cause the, as you know, the, the business is the baby. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I know that I probably like, I most definitely like couldn't have done them at the same time. I don't have kids, but it's like, even like at the thought of having a child, it was like, we would have to just dramatically change our lifestyle so much so that you have to, I mean, it's really a priority shuffle and it's like this thing that there's compromises to be made, I suppose. Um, yeah. And at least seven, eight, nine years ago when this was in the works, it was like, I can't compromise. I still, you know, I'm stubborn and don't like to compromise on, on many things, but it's yeah. like this, like something taking away like that much like energy like and that just another unknown variable like being added to you know all the other moving parts like that was something that i was just like i yeah. can't I, you know i couldn't yeah. there's no way i could have done what you've done yeah and also just even the lack of sleep like anybody who has kids will know like that the lack of sleep like i remember like we used to live above the brewery up until 2019 
which is also it was kind of necessary in the beginning because it, it you know in the beginning i worked every day like it was just like my life it's like the baby was upstairs it worked every day but like i remember i have memories of like having like sleepless night classic like young baby stuff and then like coming in the next day for like a brew day and just being like empty <laughs> and uh you know everybody who has kids has to do it i guess but uh yeah Entre- entrepreneurship I, I don't know am i no business ownership i guess i don't proprietorship it's it's crazy and when you're like even if you took the baby out of it and then just like added the lack of sleep of the baby to it it's like you're not in a you're not yourself you're not it's crazy i don't know i don't I will say to anybody out there thinking about doing it to think long and hard about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what that's not a bad end, ending note, John. Think long and hard about your fate. Think long and hard, everybody. It's hard out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Dan will be back on the next episode of this show as the host, having a conversation with a brewer of his choosing. That will be on the air in two weeks, so make sure you tune in for that. Visit allaboutbeer.com and follow on social media. And to support journalism in the beer space, check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. I'm Steve Luke of Cloudburst Brewing. Thank you for listening to the Brewer to Brewer podcast. First Tea is a proud sponsor of the Brewer to Brewer podcast. Falling temps and festive seasons are fast approaching, which means now is a good time to develop holiday stouts and brown ales using hibiscus and cinnamon from First Tea. Looking for other new ideas? You can find out more about First Tea's collaborations with brewers and tea ingredients by visiting firsttea.com slash blog. That's F-I-R-S-D-T-E-A dot com slash blog malting company is based in north america specializing in growing and producing quality malts for the craft beer and distilling industries with local farms and malt houses spread across the united states canada and mexico malt europe malting company's commitment to excellence is fully ingrained into every batch it produces ensuring breweries and distilleries of any size can create the finest beverages on the planet Visit MaltEuropeMaltingCo.com to learn how Malt Europe Malting Company can support your malting needs. Contact Malt Europe Malting Company at customer success at MaltEurope.com or dial 844-546-MALT for questions or to place your order.